This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Bellman Street, Aberdeen. Located only 30 seconds walk away from the nearest bus stop, taking supporters to Pataudry for free on match days. Siberia Bar and Hotel is open seven days a week, all year round, and get fired in with our exclusive discounts. Head to the bar and quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pound of Foster's, a £4 for a pint of Moretti or Dark Fruits, or £5 for a pint of Fierce or a Daiquiri any day of the week, including match days. Come on, you Reds. Red slight of foot there. It's Tuesday and you know what that means. Welcome to episode 102 of the ABZ Football Podcast. I'm Gary Scott and as always I'm joined by Gavin J. Baxter and Graham Steele. Gents, how's it going? Good, thank you. Mostly okay, but I'm in a state of shock to be honest. I've kind of forgotten how to process the the matters we're about to discuss. Uh, Aberdeen have lost a game. What do we What do we do in that situation? I've got used to that uh, that fine lifestyle of winning week in, week out. I don't know, Gav. I don't know. We'll try our best. Eh? I'm sure that once we slip back into the groove, it'll just be like old days. In a week that saw Cove Rangers fall out of the championship at the first time of asking, that saw Dundee and Queen's Park play out an absolute barn burner at Ockle View to determine the winners of the championship, and that saw Rob McLean wheel out his very best Alan Partridge impression at the Dons Player of the Year dinner on Wednesday evening. It is another fairly busy one here on the ABZFP as we take a look back at, as Gav has quite rightly pointed out, our 1-0 defeat in Govan on Sunday afternoon. We'll bring you our thoughts on the latest news coming out of AB24 this week. We'll check in with the young team, the Quines and our loan players in Loan Watch. And after the break, we'll preview our Cinch Premiership fixture with Hibs next Saturday as the Dons celebrate 40 years since that wonderful night in Gothenburg. But first... Sevco 5088 Limited trading as the Rangers won Aberdeen nil Sunday the 7th of May 2023 at Ibrox Stadium in the SPFL Cinch Premiership. One change to the side from the 2-0 win over the same opposition last time out. As expected, Ross McCrory dropping out due to injury with Hayden Coulson coming in for him. Johnny Hayes now captaining the side. Jay Horter and Patrick Mislovich dropping out the squad altogether with Joe Lewis Shaden Morris and Jaden Richardson all coming back in. And despite the home side enjoying plenty of possession in the opening 15 minutes, it was the Don's rear guard looking fairly comfortable throughout before Aberdeen could and should have taken the lead on 27 minutes. Miofsky doing well to burst past Davies on the halfway line and his cut back to Duke in the box was met by the Cape Verdean, but his finish well stopped by McCrory in the Rangers' goal. Liam Scales then in the thick of it as Cantwell appeared to shove the on-loan Celtic man to the ground after a corner for the home side for no apparent reason. But amazingly, VAR didn't appear to check this one. Cantwell escaping, luckily, with a yellow card. Leighton Clarkson also carded for his part in the melee that came around afterwards. And then two minutes later, VAR's connection with Ibrox appeared to have broken down once again as Duke raced past Goldson, only to then be held back and dragged down as he entered the box. Nothing doing from a John Beaton, clearly, clearly with um, sight of the incident taking place. Or nothing doing from VAR either, to the astonishment of everyone watching. I say to the astonishment of everyone watching. I'm sure we'll come on to that in a minute. 
Kelrus doing well to charge down a Sakala shot before Duke should have had Aberdeen ahead just on half time. As he raced onto Mayovsky through ball one on one with McCrory, Duke decided to loft the ball with the goalkeeper, but it drifted agonizingly over at the top of the bar. Davis replaced by Suter in the aftermath of that one after he went down like a horse that had been shot in the side. But the sides went in nil-nil at half time. No changes for either side at the break, but it was the Dons who should have been buoyed by news at Tynecastle that Celtic were a goal up. Unfortunately, it was the home side who started the second half brighter. Hayes fortunate after his slice clearance smashed off Kelrus's crossbar and bounced away to safety before Zakala had the ball in net, but it was called offside. A series of corners for the home side just after the hour mark did finally see the Don's resistance broken. Tavernier's corner in, met by Cantwell on the volley, and he found the bottom corner. Pollock with a decent header that had to be touched over by McCrory, but it's fair to say the Don's appear to be running out of ideas in the main coming forward. Miofsky and Duncan substituted for Watkins and Barron before Morris came on for Duke with seven minutes to go. And it was Morris who pulled out the next stop from McCrory after shooting from an angle. Babbage on for Clark with two minutes remaining. And he had a chance to salvage a point right to the death, but his header in injury time sailed harmlessly wide of McCrory's goal. So the resurgent run under Barry Robson comes to an end, but the Dons see out the weekend, still in third, still with a five-point gap to Hearts, and still very much in our own hands. On the data front, 71% possession to Rangers, 29% for Aberdeen, 19 shots to 11 in favour of the home side, shots on target 6-5, to five. big chances 0 for the home side to 2 for Aberdeen, and then expected goals of 1.45 to Rangers to 1.19 for Aberdeen. So gents, just we'll get into a bit more detail on the game itself, but just your overall thoughts on the result and the performance this afternoon. Yeah, obviously disappointed to lose the game. Um, it felt like a good time to play Rangers, um, as we've said many times in the last couple of years, but this genuinely did. Also, we had the result in the, in the league prior to the split. Um, you know, they had a disappointing defeat in the in the semi-final last weekend, and then kind of by the time that the game is decided, they um Celtic have effectively got the league wrapped up. So you're hoping that all those kind of factors can lead to us uh going there and getting a good result, and it would have been a pretty sweet weekend to to stick it to the Rangers fans especially, but um, I think the way that I'm kind of looking at it is trying to be as positive as possible is that I wasn't going into the split thinking that the games with Rangers or uh, Celtic are going to be the key ones in terms of us securing third place. Um, I think the um, obviously it would have been great to, to win and have that eight-point cushion with four games left to go, but I think the best case, or maybe like the most likely scenario I saw coming out of this weekend was that we had nothing effectively had changed that we're still five points ahead of hearts. And for me, um, you know, the, the next three games are the big ones of the split. So I think we've done well in a certain sense, you know, created chances, um, had some clear cut chances should have scored in, in all reality. Um, it's a little moment of quality from Cantwell that decides the game. Um, but I think you just kind of have to dust yourself down and move on to Hibs at Pataudry. Cause I think that'll be, um, the pivotal game as far as I was, uh, taking third place. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Disappointing result but on the other hand that's one game less with nothing changed you still got the gap and yeah probably this wasn't going to be the game that was going to make a break finishing third so still a lot to play for and still in a good position so disappointing result for the day but doesn't really change anything for the remainder of the season really no it doesn't I think the one thing that's probably the most disappointing about it is it's frustration I think more than anything that with Hearts played well. We'll come on to the Hearts um, Celtic game in a minute or two. Hearts played well, certainly the first half. 
against Celtic, and I must admit, I thought Hearts were looking good to possibly take something off Celtic today um, until the incident that, that leads to Cochrane's red card. And we'll come to talk about VAR in a little bit, a bit more detail later on. So I did initially think we were going to have to possibly go and get something this afternoon. That also does become a little bit more frustrating that with Hearts dropping points in the manner they did today, even if we held out and got a point at Ibrox this afternoon, you know, it becomes a six-point gap. Would have just been nice just to put a little bit more daylight between us and them. But as you say, nothing has really changed. It's one game more game ticked off on the list. Let's look at the game in a little bit more detail. Though. With McCrory out, we surprised that we decided to go with Colson at right back rather than taking in somebody like Jaden Richardson, for example, who at least is a natural right-footed wing back. I mean, it shows the absence of faith in the likes of Jaden Richardson. And was Matty Kennedy on the bench today? Uh, yes, he was. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that shows them their standing at the club going forward. Certainly if uh, Robson would rather put Hayden Coulson over there. Um, I kind of expected actually Johnny Hayes would be the right back rather than and Hayden Coulson would go into mm-hmm. left wing back. Um, and I'm not, no, not necessarily. I think if I feel that if he had any level of faith in those players, they'd have probably come in for the home game with Rangers. I think mm-hmm. I see that he's probably, you know, I think Robson we're maybe seeing is quite, um, he likes to have a consistent lineup. Uh, I think he will try as best he can to not change things up. I was kind of surprised in a way that Duncan uh, retained his spot as well today, uh, given that we were kind of losing the midfield battle at Pataudry at times last two weeks ago. And that seems to be, in terms of possession, from what I can see, uh, been the case again today. But yeah, as far as the changes, I mean, when I saw McCrory was out and I saw the team lineup, it was a little bit of a, right to you, what are we going to do here then? And so, but yeah, for it to be Coulson, surprising, maybe in a little way, but also not. I just think it probably shows that uh, Robson's already made up his mind on a number of the players within the, within the fringes of the squad, especially. Overall, Pretty frustrating afternoon, I think we've already touched on it. I thought we were fairly comfortable defensively. Um, and there's those two massive chances for Duke in the first half, which if you're going to take anything, and we spoke about this, I think, in the preview last week, Graham, if you're going to go to Glasgow and take anything, either at Ibrox or at Parkhead, you have to take the chances like those that come to you. And those were two good opportunities. The first one's maybe not quite as easy. I think the ball from me, obviously, is just a touch behind him a little bit when it comes into him. He is off at the angle. But the second one when he's one-on-one with McCrory, he has to do he has to do better than that, doesn't he? Yeah, definitely. Like you say, you're not probably going to get that many good chances in those games. So it's really, really important that you take them. So, you know, you could look at it one way. Obviously, losing's not good enough. It's not where everyone wants to be. But we're a lot more competitive this time around than we, you know, than we were in the, the previous fixture down there. So... You know, whether that's progress or not, it's still the same outcome. Um, so, yeah, disappointing that missed opportunities. But, you know, so I guess that's maybe why these guys play at this level because they're not really, you know, they're not clinical week in, week out in the sort of real pressure situations. So, see what the rest of the season brings is also difficult to be, you know, you can't really go in two footed on him, for example, because he's had a pretty good season. So, um, he's. He's contributed a lot to where we to where we currently find ourselves on the table, but less of less of that for the remainder. I think with the first one, it is a case that the ball for Miofsky is a little bit heavy and it does take him uh, a little bit further away from goal on the angle, and it is a a more difficult opportunity that it could have been, uh, especially being on his weaker foot. But the second one, I think there's every opportunity to just side foot it past McCrory. 
into the corner. It's one of them where we sit in wonderment when he does what he does at Tanadice, and we then all say, but he didn't really even need to do the back heel. It's one yeah. of them. Maybe just, you know, that uh, the maverick nature of the man just means that he wants to, to lob the keeper rather than <laughs> maybe the more, you know, simple finish, which I think, like I said, I think if he just side foots it, McCrory's charging out with like vertical. I think it's a pretty straightforward finish. It's uh, it's it's frustrating, obviously, to, to lose the game. And then when you look at the data from where Gary ever takes his um, data from, and you see that the two big chances fall to Aberdeen. And like from what I can tell from the highlights, it was a lot of long-range efforts that Rangers had at Kelroos or headers, or nothing clear-cut. I mean, even the winning goal is, um, like I say, it's... Um, it's a it's a decent hit from Catmull, well, for all, in all respect. So, well, when you get big opportunities and you just can't take them, that's um, it's been the story though of like playing Rangers the last couple of years as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those. It's almost like Duke was too confident, wasn't it? After the week he's had as well, and we'll talk about you know the, the awards that he scooped up the the player of the year during the week. It's almost like a player all with too much confidence, thinking you know what I'm going to go for the kind of outrageous here rather than just as you say, Gav, just opening the body up and sliding at either side of McCrory. McCrory had kind of sold himself, I think, and in a way. He ends up coming out like he's done really well, the goalkeeper there, because he's forced Duke into uh, doing what he does. Um, let's talk about VAR really quickly, because we'll, we'll say really quickly, it's not going to be very quick at all, is it? Let's be honest. Um, Barry Robson, after the game, was questioning if it was even at Ibrox today, which I think is fair, isn't it? Um, the scales incident with Cantwell um, and the Goldson and Duke incident in particular, they're going to be looked at if it's the other way around, isn't it? And and it's it's astonishing to find, especially the 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 goals and Duke incident doesn't get looked at um after the event. I'm astonished as well. I say astonished. I'm not really. Beaton's got a clear view of what's happening for that goals and Duke incident as well. It's unbelievable the things that are kind of going on at the moment in, in Scottish football with regards to VAR and officiating, isn't it? At the moment. Well it's just because this is a run of run of the mill Saturday, <laughs> Sunday officiating performance. Um you know what? I, I imagine the rationale behind the uh, the Duke one will be that the foul was committed outside the penalty area, but it wasn't a goal scoring opportunity, so that's why they didn't look at it. That'll be that'll be the explanation. But it continues into the box. Uh, they'll say we didn't. You mean didn't? I mean what? We'll just redraw the lines in the box. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, true. They'll have collectively decided, nah, didn't. Nothing happened after that point. It's one of them where I do wonder if Duke is too honest in the in that situation and doesn't even like force the conversation as such. Yeah, he does. He picks himself straight up to try. And, well, the thing is, the ball breaks away for him, and I think he thinks I can still get to that. So I can see why it happens. But you're right. If he if he flattens himself out and just turns and looks at the ref, then but even like when Lindstrom comes, I think it's Lindstrom comes in and takes the ball away. There's he just you know marches himself back into the into the belly area. So I think that maybe. Uh, I think even in a short us. time here, he's learned how things work. <laughs> um, and as for the Cantwell one with on on scales, I mean, Todd Cantwell is quite an arsehole, as it turns out. He really throw, is, isn't throw he? The, throw that one out. He didn't have that at Norwich. He's very but, chippy for a guy who failed at Norwich in a really dog shit Norwich team. But that's also part and parcel of signing for either of them. You then have to, because that that gets everyone. Ah, it gets behind the, you. Gets the locals on side, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, if that was Graham Shinney doing the same thing to, um, you know, Tavernier. Who knows what happens? Well, we've seen before. I mean, like, you know, Kyle Lafferty doesn't even need to make contact with... By the way, Graham Shinney today was at Cadona's, not at Ibrox, just FYI. But enjoying the 2 piece slot machines, so clearly the wages are not that good at Wigan. Well, as uh, not that it's actually funny, I did see that they didn't play, didn't pay all their players. 
again, I think it said that was about the fifth time. I don't know if it was just the players or the staff or whatever, but not getting paid is not really, not really cool. So, yeah, he's probably not flush at the moment. Was Graham, he... Sorry, VAR, come on, back on oh, us. I was more interested in... Okay, let's have a great then, come on then, right, come on then. Did he win? On the... There's not. There's nothing more to learn. I mean, I didn't see him bumping into the machine, so he clearly wasn't that desperate as such. Okay, but, he's maybe uh, worried about VAR. Retrospective action from the cameras. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. He's obviously he's a marked man in that way, so I don't exactly. blame him. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just another week um, where VAR is just continuing to uh, basically ruin Scottish football. And yeah, I don't. Know, I don't really know what else there is to say about it. Um, it's you know, there's just a lot of things. Another. It's another weekend of things happening where. Because it's Aberdeen and because it's Hearts, one one set of rules is applied. And if it was if it's Rangers Celtic, then you know the rule book is completely different. Nothing's changed. Nothing has changed. Uh, all it's done is just make things even worse. If anything, what's well, the thing is today Get you've had in two, the bin. Yeah, you've had two examples today, haven't you? I mean, it's it's worked in our favour with what's happened at Tynecastle today. Um, well, I mean, having watched Alex Cochran a couple of times, I think Vars actually done Hearts a favour. <laughs> <laughs> hearts hearts to be fair to them played quite well first half so i think hearts are probably taking someone from that game if that doesn't happen um that one there it yeah exactly it's a shocker the one that um cochran gets done from maeda to have that and then the, the, the duke Goulson incident in the same day you're just like i don't understand this is just fucking mental now as graham said a few weeks ago you know the whole idea meant to be that this would take these sort of decisions away and this is all it's done is give them more opportunity to not even to fuck up, just to be as inept as they possibly can be. It's it's frankly quite sensational. I don't think that like VAR as a concept is a good concept. And VAR, everyone's like, oh, VAR shit, VAR's not the problem. The problem is you've got a system of officiating that is biased and or not very good, depending on which side of the fence you sit on. Mm-hmm. So why did people think that they would make good use of the, the enhanced tools, you've still got these same people picking and choosing what they want to look at in the same way they'd be picking and choosing if they were going to give you a booking or whatever. So there's not really a way, it's not really a way out of this. And probably a lot of people have, you know, quite vocal managers when things aren't going their way that they want it, now they've got it. You can't really back down on that. So I think we're probably stuck with this. Yeah. I think the one that baffles me most about the one at Tynecastle today is that Nick Walsh had already given um, a free kick and a booking for that. And I don't think there's anyone out there who would say that that was a clear and obvious error to decide that that was a booking. Because I think everyone watching it went, yeah, a booking's probably fair enough for that. And this was meant to be the whole idea, wasn't it? It was only meant to be in- intervening if there were clear and obvious mistakes being made. And it's like, how on earth is that being judged to be a clear and obvious issue? And then as soon as it's Willie Collum, I think he was the VAR today at Tynecastle um, on it, Nick Walsh. As far as, I don't think Nick Walsh has been able to get through a game of football yet since VAR has been in without it. Something he's done on the pitch being overruled by VAR, by the way. I just want to point that out. Um, it's just a mess. It's an absolute fucking mess. Um, anyway, let's let's move on a little bit. Defensively, I thought today we're still pretty solid on the whole. Felt reasonably comfortable for much of the game. Distribution maybe from the back a little bit slack, but the highlights I watched didn't indicate any kind of distribution from the back. Okay, well, that's good then. Good to see we're right on it tonight, chaps. Um, Graham? <laughs> I haven't seen any of it. Okay, excellent, good, perfect. Well, this is fucking great stuff, isn't it? I love us getting to cast opinions and stuff that no one's watched. If you say so, though, guy. Yeah, I agree. Okay, fine, it was a little bit slack today. We'll move on then. The goal we concede's annoying, isn't it? Because it's from a set piece um, where we've been relatively strong from. And I'm not entirely sure what Johnny Hayes is doing on the goal line when it flashes past him, are you? You've at least fucking seen that, tell me. 
he's got all the um, composure and grace of a goalkeeper who knows it's going miles wide, only it isn't. <laughs> I think he even like I think he even like puts the hands up as if like that's going, that's going. Oh, he no, does. It isn't. No, it's not. It's, it's going. No, no, yeah. it isn't. It's frustrating because like you'd expect someone of Johnny Hayes just. Even if you do think it's going wide, just you know, stick a boot out and just you know, make sure of it. Um, oh, like, to be fair, five minutes before that, he'd stuck a boot out and nearly stuck at the top corner. So maybe I can understand his reticence. A, a, a replication of the old Jet chance versus um, Christ, who was it again? Edinburgh City <laughs> last year. Just Edinburgh, yeah. SC Edinburgh. Um, yeah, that that was pretty spectacular. Um, it's annoying because of the fact that obviously Todd, Todd Catwell is free in the penalty area. Um, yep. I don't know if we kind of. I haven't really observed it closely enough to know if we do a man marking or a zonal system, but um, obviously it's a, a routine Rangers have worked on to get the ball out to Catwell and he smashes it. And, you know, like I say, it's it's a good it's a good finish. But um, yeah, Johnny Hayes, with the experience he has, you'd like to think would have been uh, replicating Leighton Clarkson's efforts at Pataudry to watch it just go sailing past into the into the corner. Yeah, a disappointing goal conceded for sure. Yeah, it's all very well. So sort of we've been more competitive and talking about how we missed chances. But again, another thing you can't afford to do is just simple stuff. You know, if they, if they score a great goal or a great two team move, sometimes you just have to say, well, okay, that's fine. These things happen. But to uh, to let them in like that is annoying, especially when, and this does sound crazy saying it out loud, the defence has been decent. Yeah. Um, didn't think we'd be saying that a couple of months ago. So yeah, it, it was um, it was frustrating. I feel like in that sort of situation, just to deal with it, you know, and the, and the dealing with it is not to be like, ah, it's fine. Just if you're not sure, put it out. And if it turns out you didn't need to, fine, someone will have a chip at you. But fine, you've done what you think was right rather than just sort of um, letting it go. It's always a bit risky just to let that go in the box. Indeed. If anyone has a chip, um, Johnny Hayes was captain today, so we can just take after Ricky Foster and tell them all to fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> or, or Mark Kerr. Ah, <laughs> uh, 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 me. Were, were Kerr and Foster, like, sequential um, I want to say no. I think they were. I think they, they, they came after each other, I think, as captains. Oh, no, they would have done, yeah. I'm... McGee put Foster out on loan, didn't he? Yeah. Yes. And then uh, he came. Did he? I thought it was. It sounds like a Mark McGee, McGee thing to do. Because we got Felichka. Yeah. In return. With his busted up knees. Yeah. Yeah, I, I want to say they were. He was made captain when he came back from Rangers. So. Yeah, that's right. And then Mark, that would have been. Mm, maybe not. Maybe there is a season missing here. No, Jimmy. Paul Hartley was captain before Ricky Foster. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Car yeah. Car left. Yeah. Hartley came in. Yeah, you're right. Curzo, Hartley, Foster. No. Christ. <laughs> if you imagine we'd go on Foster. I mean, like Hartley didn't really do very much for us either, to be fair. But if you go Kerr, if I took a penalty Foster. against Hamilton. True. Indeed. Indeed. But if you go Foster to Kurt Foster as club captains in a sequential order. Jesus. No wonder we were so bad. <laughs> Just think it could have been Gam Donald if we were lucky. Uh, indeed. Indeed. Anyway, um, Ryan Duncan, I've seen a lot of people tonight criticizing him for his performance. Um, and I've seen a lot of people asking the question, what, what you know, what's he done in the last four or five games? And I know, Gav, you've maybe ventured some of this a little bit, but surely this is one of these situations here where we need to be patient with this lad. He is still young loon coming through. Um, I'm still not convinced myself that he's playing in the right position at the moment in this system that we've got at the moment. But 
Robson clearly likes what he's doing that he keeps on picking him. From what I've kind of seen of the game, I can't honestly say that I've noticed Brian Duncan doing anything of note. I wouldn't be surprised to find he, he, he touched the ball the least of anyone on the pitch today, to be honest with you. But that's not really necessarily the point. But anyway, carry on. I, I don't think it was the... I think this is probably just, again, reflecting maybe the limitations in the squad and the people that uh, Robson's maybe perhaps willing to trust. And it, maybe it's just that he just wants to be um, maintained consistency in the selection because that's generally speaking in football, um, unless you've got like a Man City-sized squad of relative quality where you can chop and change and nothing very much changes, um, you're probably taking a hit with your with your second string players. But yeah, I, I feel that, I don't know, I, it's one of those games again where it's like, if Graham Shinney's available, Graham Shinney clearly plays, you know, could we have maybe had someone a bit more like that? Is there really anyone on the bench that could have done that? It's it's a tough one from for the manager's perspective, but um, yeah, I mean, earlier in the season, I was um, very excited about Ryan Duncan. I was happy to see him get an opportunity when he came in against um, Kilmarnock and then Ross County, but I think I'd probably be in agreement with the people that he's not really done nearly enough to you know, warrant um, continued selection. And if, if it comes down, when it comes to Hibs next week, I don't know, uh, maybe see what McCrory's back. I'd perhaps be looking at making a change in that in that area and seeing if there's someone else who could come in and be more effective both uh, with and without the ball. Of just looking at it, of the players who started the game, yeah, Duncan had the fewest touches of anybody in the pitch in that time. But yeah, I just I'm just not convinced it's the right role for him. I think there's a lot. Of, I think there's a lot in. I think there's a lot in there with that kid that I just think people need to be patient with. It does feel to me there's this whole. This seems to happen a lot with Aberdeen fans, where we seem to get on the backs of players who come through the youth setup very very quickly for some reason, and there needs just to be a bit of patience. But that said, it maybe wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to take him out of the season for next time round. Graham, I'd be quite surprised he's been getting picked for the last few weeks. I think he's a good player, but I. He's either not got to grips with that role yet or that role isn't really making the most of his abilities because I don't think he's been playing particularly well. But like you, I am enthusiastic that there's something there. And maybe to your point around, you know, maybe Robson's like, well, yeah, this isn't going, like this isn't exactly what I would want you to do, but I trust you to do what I tell you to do. And, I, and that's more valuable than maybe going to the bench for someone else because he knows ultimately the guy's going to do a job for him rather than somebody's maybe not got the confidence in. So it'll be interesting to see. I feel like we might just, you know, from the point of view of this season for him, it's all experience, but I don't think this necessarily reflects where he'll end up playing. And I hope it doesn't reflect really where he will end up playing because I think there's a there's a better player in him than, than we've been able to see with how he's been used so far. The best stuff Duncan's done in the Aberdeen shirt this year has been playing on that wide right yeah. position. The problem will then come, of course, is if we are you know, wedded to this 3-5-2 sort of system, we've talked about Shaden Morris, Cal Roberts, those all those wide players. If they don't have a future, then you know, de facto, uh, Ryan Duncan's going to have a problem on his hands unless he can get to grips with his position. And even then, I don't know if Robson necessarily would would be playing him if it was um, if it was actually up to him. You know, like yeah. I say, Graham Shinnick would be playing if he was available. One person who you just touched on, 
uh, Gav there who who came off the bench this afternoon and that's the first time we've seen uh, this guy for a long, long time came on for the last uh, 10 minutes today and I'm pretty certain in thinking this is the last time we saw him since the 3-2 defeat to Rangers just before Christmas with Shade and Morris. Came off the bench for the last 10 minutes today. Um, I actually thought he looked all right when he came on. Morris is one of these guys we've spoken about a lot in, in recent weeks in the sense of between him and Carl Roberts in particular, who we literally as Aberdeen fans have got no idea whether or not these boys are actually up to much cop for us. Certainly Morris appears to be a well-liked individual in the dressing room. I think that's that's definitely fair to say. But I was encouraged by his performance when he came on. Maybe now as well this could be an opportunity for him just to try and get some minutes under his belt and make a push for hopefully being a little bit more uh, a frequent, um, maybe not a starter, but a frequent appearer anyway in the in the first team going into next season as well. This is a guy, he's a kid on a four-year loan, uh, four-year deal, sorry. Um, we've paid a, a transfer fee for him, so you'd like to think we're going to try and get something out of Shade and Morris going forward. What position did he occupy on the soccer field when he came on? Um, I want to say, he, when he came on for Duke, so uh, he kind of came on playing as, at this point, we kind of went a little bit Bat school shit. playground because we took Watkins on for uh, Miofsky, Baron came on for uh, who did Baron come on for? Duncan. Yeah, came on for Duncan, and then Babbage came on at the last minute for, for Clarkson. For Clarkson. So yeah, he kind of played where Duke was playing, but then for that final ten minutes, we were a bit. We kind of had almost like three up front. We kind of almost went three, four, three ish, kind of. Mm-hmm. It was kind of harder to tell what we were trying to do. But yeah, I thought he did okay when he came on. Got shot off. Did all right. I can't say I have much in the way of hope from the very little I have seen. And I do have to admit that when you spoke with the Fleetwood Town fan at the beginning of the season and his description of Shane Morris's prospects did not fill me with any kind of hope. But he is a player that we've sunk a decent chunk of change into. He does have that three-year deal that is going to be very difficult to convince him to part ways with if uh, if we want to. So um, yeah, here's, here's hoping. I'm just delighted that a player of ours has come back from injury and not pulled up in the first five minutes. Certainly didn't appear to. On the team coach, something will happen. You know, you know yeah, the usual. Probably. Was it Jamie Langfield burnt his foot with a coffee or what was it? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah real. Yeah. You know, bust up his foot moving furniture like David Priest. Yeah. Um, one thing, I think we've spoken about it a little bit in the past and I kind of want to talk about it again today. One of the things I do have a little nagging doubt about Barry Robson is... Oh, I think here we go. He signs, he signs a full-time contract and here comes the... Here comes the hate already. Yep, pitchforks out. His loss percentage as full-time manager is currently sitting at 100%. So, ah, um, fuck, fuck him. Get him out now. But what's Gary Boyer up to? <laughs> use of substitutes. It's a little bit, for me, a little bit less than optimal. It reminds me an awful lot of Derek McInnes, is all I'm going to say. That they seem to be very predictably timed. There are times, I think, where we should be looking to make substitutes a little bit earlier than we actually are. And when they are made, they do seem to be very predictable. Um, and they, they don't seem to be changes that seem to influence or affect the game a huge amount. And I don't think that's an unfair criticism. Um, if, if it's even a criticism, let's call it an, an observation at this moment in time. Gra- Graham's nodding his head enthusiastically here. Oh, I'm just having a wee chuckle to myself. We're, we're now allowed to criticise Robson, are we? I never said we couldn't before. Gav was the one who was vehemently on the Robson in bus. And I know, Graham, you're still not sure, but we are where we are. Is there a little bit of a concern in that area there? It's, it's, it's like the little thing that just is niggling away at me a little bit at the moment. There's, Yeah, there probably possibly is something in there. But then I think 
this idea of like this uh, just a general observation this idea of substitutes coming on really changing the game how often does that actually ever happen anyway it's pre- fairly infrequent i think it's very easy. so you know your your point around they didn't really have much of an impact well i'm not really sure substitutions generally do but this sort of semi predictable bit i would be good to maybe there's 15 minutes to that. go. Marley Watkins is coming on. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we want to move away from from that because that just kind of feels like someone's just set up a plan and the plan's happening. Yeah. Regardless of what's actually taking part uh, taking place on the pitch. That said, if he continues in that that trend and gets us a, a cup or something like that, like McInnes did, I could probably live with that. If I have to endure the same substitutes at the same time every week, but we win something. I'll sign up to that right now. That's <laughs> fair enough. Gav? Gav was sitting back to that and leaned in as so he was about to be like, right, here we go. This this is only the third time I've experienced defeat with by Robson, so I feel like I've got enough of a sample size to work out his, you know, <laughs> substitute effectiveness ratio to success. I want that to be something that you work on. I want okay. your black book to be coming out again yeah. with your substitute effectiveness <laughs> ratio calculations. <laughs> I was just waiting for a guy to jump in there and tell you tell us about the time Glass made three changes at halftime. It worked. Did it? Yes. I think that time it actually did work. It did work. Yeah. Just feeling very confident there with that. Pretty flick away. It worked. It absolutely worked. But his subs that first, first three months or so. Well, yeah. But he was he was not holding back and he was doing things and that they did work. And then he sort of reverted to <laughs> almost like your standard oh you can't make a sub at this point you've got to wait right the bleak away yeah no I do I do remember that so yeah, yeah. what we need to do is we need to get Connor McLennan back in yeah. that's it Wraith, <laughs> Wraith Rovers really like fried Stephen Glass's brain didn't it fried yeah, my so. brain fried more know, than my like, brain actually but you know when you when you look back on it now right it really did because he had been quite like adventurous in his substitutes and the way he decided to set up and then he he tried to go for the well surely my like my second stringer good enough to win this game and then he just clearly just like absolutely fried him in the sense of like okay turns out they're not and i can't actually do what i thought i could do anyway never mind and i'm not trying i'm not trying to be critical because i'm really not because i think it's hard to be critical of the performance this afternoon because obviously we come off the back of an amazing run that we've been on the run was always going to come to an end at some point um, it's disappointing this come today. Um, but as we say, if we score those chances that Duke has, and if we get a penalty thrown in at the mix as well, we, we could have been leaving Govan today with a comfortable win. It's, it's hard to be critical, isn't it, this after, this evening? It's um, how many times have we won at Ibrox in the last 30 years? And there's a reason why we're going to be counting them with about one hand. Three or four? Um, so uh, Aberdeen teams think in better shape. Listen, it was a good chance, I think. You know, obviously Rangers season is in many ways effectively over there are well, it's over now <laughs> eel is you know making plans for next season there'll be players there that are trying to you know prove they have a place in his long-term plans um you know we've got we're missing two key players especially in in mccrory and shinney you can go to ibrox or celtic park with your full strength team in, in great form and come away with nothing especially when the referee and the tools at his disposal decide that there's nothing to see here so, um, as I said at the beginning of this review, today wasn't one of the key fixtures in this uh, in this split. All things considered, I think it's come out pretty pretty much okay with Hearts dropping points as well. We had chances; we could have won. It's not to be. Just move on. 
to Tibbs next weekend. Yeah, I was only wondering about the subs to try and annoy Gary. There's no point in, it's disappointing to have dropped the points, but it's been a really good run himself. I knew everyone's sort of got us from looking over our shoulders slightly nervously to might recover the season. So disappointing that it came to an end, but it was going to, and like you say, our record down there is garbage, regardless of what sort of quality of team and run and form that we're on. So I think the important thing is, you know, did it just become a blip and then we get back up and running for the next, even if it's just the next couple of games and that that's probably enough to, to get everything wrapped up. So we just need to go over the line and then sort of regroup a little bit in the summer and then hopefully he gets a chance to build, um, you know, sort of the, the full team in his, in his image and get to, uh, get his ideas across and get some substitutes. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I mean, ultimately, you just touched on it there. It's still in our hands. And I think we said when the, the post-split fixtures came out that it's the run of three games that are next up there are the most critical about how we finish our season. So we're still in third, still five points clear, one game less to worry about. It's still all in our hands. Yeah, no damage done. Disappointing, but it's just basically as it was before kickoff and we were all happy enough to be five points ahead then. So should still be now. That said, going to be interesting just to see how Robson manages to just pick the team up from today. Um, I, I don't think it should be too low because I think we played okay. It wasn't like we were, you know, we didn't suffer a hammering and I thought on the whole we played we played all right and we could and should have, you know, probably taken at least a point out of the game today. But that's going to be the, it's not something we've had to do now in a few weeks is pick the team up after a defeat. Um, that said, I don't think Robson's going to struggle to do that on his team, but it's important now that we get off to a good start against Hibs next week. He's proven himself capable of picking up this team after much worse results. I've not got any concerns about that. Yeah, I think you'll say basically what we were saying that there were chances there on a different day you come away with a point or all three. So having lost and from the run we're on doesn't suddenly make you a bad team or bad players. So I think he's probably just going to say it's disappointing. But the, the players themselves are going to know that they were in the game and it just didn't quite happen. So he basically just, you know, for the next game, there's probably not really much to say other than just go out and do what you've been doing because that that has been working. Um, it's going to be, I imagine, probably a full house again or very, very close to. So, yep, so good. That, that in itself is probably, you know, you would hope the players look forward to that and thrive on getting to play to almost two, you know, uh, full house, two home games in a row. Um, I think there's enough going on around the club at the moment but I don't think anyone will be there in the dumps for for long. I think they will just, you know, they'll get after focusing on the hips game. Robson will be giving the players that tedious, repetitive promo that would not sell it MSG, but it's been working for the players. It's game by game basis. Rangers is now in the rear in the in the rearview mirror. It's all about hips next weekend. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. And more importantly, probably saying that you know you guys can to a degree, control how the season ends up because we just need to do our business. We don't have to worry about anyone else. Um, so no, I think there's there's a lot to be positive about in terms of the upcoming games and, and getting this season sort of um, our season's coming to an end and we end up in a in a decent position. Indeed, indeed. Um, chaps, need of you watch the game, so I feel really churlish asking you about top dawn, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, Kel Roos looked to have done all his work pretty well. Yeah, just so... Your pick can't win. I will side with Gavin Kilroos. Who's my pick? Why do we have to ask? Obviously, Marley Watkins. I don't think Matty Pollock did much wrong, to be honest. 
I just assumed you were going to pick your pal. And on the hat, well, I, to be honest, I didn't really think there was a massive standout performer for us today across the board. I thought we just we played all right. It's one of those games where everyone's just having a decent game rather than one. Yeah, Matty Pollock topped out in all the data. So for from our being perspective, so I'm going to give it to Matty Pollock. Um, he also there was actually quite a funny moment in the first half where he went for a header with it was either Sakala or Matondo. I'm not sure which uh, which one it was, but. Um, they got it for header, and Pollock just like Pollock was was second best to get it every day of the week, and it looked it was it looked like quite a nasty clash of heads, but Pollock was just straight back up after it after having absolutely wiped out whoever it was. So I was like, there we go, that's that's kind of what you want to see. So you can imagine Matty Pollock has that like extra layer of whatever it is that Homer's got between his head, like, <laughs> skull and <laughs> yeah. brain. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, for that reason alone, Matty Pollock topped on. Um, <laughs> on to other news from AB Twenty Four. This week, so I guess Gav Graham, we didn't get a chance to talk about last week because, oh, Gav, you weren't here. Um, Graham, you and I were obviously here, and then in classic Aberdeen fashion, they did the big announcement on Monday night after we recorded. So the big news last week, obviously, was the news that uh, on Monday that Barry Robson and Steve Agnew had signed new two-year deals to become the club's permanent management team. Robson becomes the club's twenty-fourth permanent manager, at least technically the twenty-fifth, if you include Jockey Scott and Alex Smith as being two individuals. And why wouldn't you? The last I checked, they were. Never mind. Um, he will become, or he looks to become, the ninth managerial appointment to bring home silverware to Pataudry. Uh, we've spoken about it a lot over the last few weeks. I think everyone's really had their view on this over the course of the week anyway. But just general thoughts. It was kind of inevitable, wasn't it? This was always going to be the, the the end game after the way that the results had panned out. I think when we made him, you know, the... Um the permanent manager till the end of the season we were effectively putting in place a situation where it was very much by robson's job to lose and then we you know picked up a few more vital victories and then we beat rangers uh Pataudry, you know Pataudry was electric that day the feeling was you know it, it i think we spoke about after the game that you could have easily you know drafted up a contract in those final few minutes and had him sign it on the pitch um and make him make him all Aberdeen um I've said on another podcast that if we had hired you know Sifuentes or Ricardo Rodriguez immediately after you get sacked and they produce the kind of results that Robson has done in the in the following 10 10 games we'd be hailing them as geniuses what he's done has been incredible and you know I think as it went on it was you couldn't give it to anyone else i'm just happy that we've now got it official signed sealed and it kind of takes away any of that kind of rumor innuendo about planning for next season the players who are here know what's going to be happening the players that we're looking at or know who's the manager is going to be i think it just um takes away any uncertainty he is the guy he is the man as far as i'm concerned i'm, I'm very very happy that it's uh on to pen and paper and i'm equally delighted that obviously steve agnew has decided to commit his future as well weeks after gary said it definitely wouldn't happen i didn't say it definitely wouldn't i just said it was extremely unlikely <sighs> and to be fair that was absolutely the prevailing wind at the time and in fairness to stephen gunn alan burrows okay whoever Max, who's managed to fuck off and fairness to anyone who's managed to persuade steve that was, agnew that was that was the plan at the time <laughs> whoever's persuaded Steve Agnew to to join up for the longer term has done a, a really good job in order to do so because I think it was critical, Graeme and I spoke about it at length, I think it was critical to anyone really buying into this that Agnew was going to stay It's the whole, yeah, it was that whole management team that were 
getting the results. Yeah, so you kind of had to keep that all together. So, yeah, let's just hope we do finish third because actually a couple of people I was speaking to saying, you know, I was kind of thinking, well, it makes sense to do it now as an officially announce it because if you've got players who are maybe not sure if they're going to want to hang around or whatever, you try to attract players. I feel like that's easier to do if you have a manager and everyone knows who it is. Then a couple of people did point out, well, maybe you would wait till the end of the season, see if we actually do finish third because, you know, if the wheels fall off and you've appointed your manager on the basis of a purple patch, like how we got a good one, and you don't actually achieve anything, it might not look too clever. So let's hope we're not having to worry about that. Absolutely. On to the Player of the Year awards at Tekka on Thursday night. Great night. Well done to all involved, um, with the exception of Rob McLean. Um, if we can get in our compare next year, who's not on Partridge, that would be great. Duke with a clean sweep on the senior player front, picking up men's player of the year, player's player of the year, which to be fair, I thought I thought Ramadani was done a dirty, not getting player's player, but there we go. And goal of the season for the goal against United at Tanadice. Uh, Leighton Clarkson scooped up play, uh, young player of the year, Alfie Bavish taking home development player of the year. And then on the coin side, Ailey Shore did a duke. She picked up the women's player of the year, player's player of the year and goal of the season. And the Millie Urquhart, uh, the ABZ podcast, very own Millie Urquhart picking up young player of the year award, which was which was good to see. So all in all, great night. More of that, please. Let's move on to Lone Watch quickly. Conor McLennan at St Johnston, not in the matchday squad. As St Johnston beat United by one goal to nil at McDermott Park to ease the Perth Saints five points clear of the relegation playoff spots. Can we all have a good old laugh at Charlie Mugby's red card yesterday? Sure. It's pretty funny, wasn't it? Hysterical. <laughs> I think anytime you're getting outpaced I by Halberg, you haven't seen it. I haven't I've seen never, it. Have you watched any football this weekend? Basically, no. Excellent. Great. Fucking hell. Graham, have you, hey, seen, have you seen it? No. Fucking hell, right? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Let's move on. Kieran Nguyenia, full 90 minutes and an assist to his name. Right, I'm, I'm bringing it up now. Keep, keep going. I'll go over that. Full 90 minutes for Kieran Nguyenia and an assist to his name is Ray Rovers rounding out their championship campaign with a 2-2 draw with Park Thistle on Friday night. Kieran Nguyenia also in the away end at Ibrox this afternoon. So fair play, young man. Oh, as was um, uh, possibly... An Australian who plays for St. Mirren. Hashtag just saying. Jack Milne for Kelty Hearts. Full 90 minutes for him. Got a booking as well as Kelty Hearts finished up their season with a 4-1 defeat at Palmerston Park to Queen of the South in League One. Uh, for Aaron Reid and Evan Tyler at Elgin City. Tyler still missing out with injury. Aaron Reid coming off the bench just before the hour mark as Elgin finished their season with a 3-0 defeat to Bonnie oh, Rose Athletic. Elgin finishing just one point above the drop zone in League Two. Yes, Gavin, have you finally looked at it now? I've got it here. I've been like checking back about five times to make sure I'm not watching this in slow motion. No, that's it. In, that's in real time. That might be oh. sped up. Holy shit. Wowzers. Oh, Charlie, never change. When you're getting outpaced by Marcus Hallberg, I think you know that something's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, the results of the weekend, that that's taking United right back into that uh, that mire. So. Well, it really has. You know, who'd have thunk it? On the face of it, it's like one of their easier away games that they have because obviously St. Johnson's home record is so fucking horrendous. But there we go. Anthony Stewart at the Milton Keynes Dons, not in the matchday squad as the MK Dons drew 0-0 at Burton Albion and they are relegated from League One. So shoring up that defence in January really worked a treat for the MK Dons. Dean Campbell, Stevenage, don't know. They play on Monday night or Monday afternoon on the bank holiday. Stevenage are promoted anyway, so doesn't really matter. 
Uh, Vinny Bajerwin, we all know, was just holidaying, I think, at the moment. So, <laughs> was there. And then Dante Povara played the full 90 minutes as the Charleston Battery saw a 1 0 win at the Las Vegas Lights in the USL Championship. Charleston, top of the pile in the Eastern Conference on your cell, Dante. What are the Las Vegas Lights doing in the Eastern Conference? Oh, because it's like normal US stuff where it doesn't, they, they call it East and Western, but it's not geographically split. It makes no sense. And they have a World Series that's just America. You must have looked at the NBA before we got Why must I have looked at the NBA before? Well, you just assuming you had. <laughs> got no interest in netball. Anyway, on to the young team. After defeating Hearts 3-1 on Tuesday night in Edinburgh, it was another game on the road for the young, young team as they travelled to North Lanarkshire to take on Motherwell. Why is it... What, does it just mean it's always feel that like one of our teams are playing Motherwell? Yep. Either that or Motherwell players are getting linked with our club. Oh, speaking of which, you, know, you won't have seen it because you've not watched any football this weekend. Have you seen uh, Van Veen's goal for Motherwell yesterday? Of course I have. <laughs> Gav, while you're loading it up, I'll Although, go if you if you'd be so good as to remember who they played, that would be uh, a uh, they played Kilmarnock. Anyway, back to the young team. I'll let you load it up, Gav. Um, yeah, another game on the road for the young team. This time to take on Motherwell in the Cast Under 18 League. Alfie Bavage leading the line after picking up his Development Player of the Year award the evening prior. And I must admit, I said it to you boys when we had a couple of beers last night. Um, Anyone out there in the solar system who decided that it was a really good idea to hassle poor Alfie Babbage while he was just trying to take a fucking piss at Tekka on Thursday night, you need to take a long, hard look at yourself. <laughs> Seriously, leave the loon alone. He's 18 tops. He doesn't need you tapping him on the shoulder, giving him chat while he's trying to have a whiz. There we go. Graham, do you agree? I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, absolutely. Gav, Dennis Burkamp-esque that touch. It is that first touch is very Burkamp-esque. That's it? a guy trying to earn a contract to a bigger club. Yep, like hmm, who might that be? Don't know. Anyway, on to the cast under eighteen. It was the home. Can you imagine if he does sign for us? Think I cannot all the... wait for the one eighty you pull when we <laughs> sign him up. Great player, and you know what? I've always thought a really good guy. Yeah, it seems like a really sound individual, and all that preening thing is. I it was just you know I didn't really mean it. Just bounce. To be fair, if he did sign up and he stuck it, was he on now? How many goals he got this season? 21, 22? Over 20, anyway. Yeah. And if he scored a goal like that against them, then I'd, I'd, I'd be okay about it. Anyway, cast under 18. Uh, Mullow, with the early breakthrough, Ferry with the opener after intercepting a VTOL's pass. Babbage and Emsley both going close to the Dons in the immediate aftermath. Aftermath in the immediate aftermath, but both having their efforts well stopped by Josh Bogan in the well goal. That's a funny name. The Dons did manage to pull level on the half hour mark. Finley Marshall pulled down in the box, and Brendan Hamilton sent Bogan the wrong way from the penalty spot as the sides went in level at half time. A scrappy second half saw Motherwell taking the lead on 73 minutes through Tambue before the home side sealed the win with a penalty award. Dylan Wells converting to make it 3-1. Next up for the young team, uh, Rangers visit Cormac Park on Friday evening. And for the women's team, fresh off a 5-1 win over Glasgow women on Wednesday evening, the Quines were on the road to face Spartans and SWP a one action. But it was, let's call it an afternoon to forget in the Capitals. They went down by six goals to two to Spartans home side. Three goals up after just 25 minutes before Aberdeen pulled a goal back through an own goal before Bates and Galbraith added the home side's goals before Ailey Shore capped off a good week for herself on a personal level by grabbing another for Aberdeen as the sides went in at halftime. 5-2. 5-2. 
Jordan scoring a sixth for Spartans on the 66th minute, and that is how it stayed. 6-2 to Spartans. Next up, Dungeon United visit the Granite City in SWPL1 action on Wednesday evening. And I think, gents, that will do for this half, yes? Nodding heads all round. Excellent. Join us on the other side as we will preview next Saturday's clash with Hibernian Apatology, and we'll bring you a very, very, very special edition of Jeff's Music Corner. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Siberia Bar, like us all, are praying for European nights this summer with the end of the season looming and the prospect of a big summer at Pataudry on the horizon. Make a night of it by visiting the bar pre- and post-match, grabbing some cheap drinks using the ABZ pod discount, and even better, stay in the hotel after a big night of celebrations and get 15% off your stay in the hotel by booking direct to Siberia Bar Hotel and using the code ABZPOD. So, welcome back to the ABZ Football Podcast. Before we move on to Jeff's Music Corner and our preview of the game against Hibs on Saturday, just a quick shout out to those of you who continue to keep, who continue to make sorry your contributions to the ABZ FP Beer and Coffee Fund this week, including Scott B, Scott B, Grant Stephen, and Grant Stephen likes olives of a beef variety, beef olives. He yeah. and James Layton, yeah, and Neil McLeod, Neil Mac. <laughs> <laughs> we see you. Your bread's appreciated. If you'd like to help keep us fueled in beef olives or coffee or beer, then please head on over to ko-fi.com forward slash ABZ football podcast. The link is in the description. Shout us a beef olive. It's much appreciated. It's totally going to be the thing now, isn't it? Play, at Player of the Year on Thursday night. I did have a few people come up to me who I've got no idea who they are professing their love for beef olives to me. So it's clearly a fucking thing. Maybe, maybe for merch. It's just thinking maybe we need to get, get them up on the old website. AB24 branded beef olives. Or <laughs> no, crudely like, um, photoshopped Leighton like with catching a beef olive. That's like that, yeah. <laughs> Tipping a beef olive over the yeah, bar. Yeah, as a, as a t-shirt or something well, like no, that. He wouldn't tip it over the bar, would he? No, he'd be grabbing it. Yeah. Anyway, right, yeah. there we go. I mean, and, um, he, he would have dived the right way in 83 if it was a beef olive going at him. <laughs> um... We've talked about this a lot recently, and uh, well, not sorry. We, we've talked about updating this a lot recently, and never really getting around to doing it, which is really bad of us. Um, those of you who are regular listeners to the show will know that we um, set out a little while ago to do some fundraising, and we've done a lot of fundraising actually in the last kind of few weeks. Um, I should add on that the Angus McDonald raffle for the Legends Lounge tickets and the Angus McDonald signed shirt and we were donating all the funds for that to the Angus McDonald Foundation did great great numbers we were able to donate over £1,200 to the Angus McDonald Foundation off the back of that which was amazing and so thank you to everybody who entered the raffle it's brilliant thanks also to Ian Morgan Smith who donated the Legends Lounge tickets in the first place and obviously big thanks to Angus McDonald for giving us a signed shirt as well as part and parcel of that so all Great stuff. Hopefully the winner, Ryan Harkis, enjoys his hospitality at Pataudry this Saturday. But yes, as we were saying a little while back, we were um, set ourselves a task to go ahead and try and run, cycle, walk, crawl, whatever, the 2,261 kilometres that represents the distance between Aberdeen and Gothenburg 
before the 11th of May 2023, in order to mark the 40th anniversary of our victory over Real Madrid in the rain. Now, raising money for this one here, 50-50 split between Aberdeen Necessities and the AFC Heritage Trust. Graham, you're done. You're in Gothenburg. You've done a couple of laps around the city as well, I think, by way of your numbers. Yes, I haven't updated it. Well, you don't need to since I there. finished it, but yeah, so I, I don't know. Like, I'm on I'm on the return leg now. Yeah, that's it. And I'm there. I'm done my bit. We're all good. Gav, you were the one lagging behind. Where yeah. are we as we record? Sunday the 7th of May. It looked questionable for the longest time, but as you can see, the finishing line is in sight. The, the lights of the Ulevi are in my are in my foreground. It's gonna happen. Twenty five point seven seven kilometers left to go. And I That's actually Sunday have, nights. And I have a I've actually got a day off work on Thursday, which is the eleventh. So I might take myself for a little stroll down to Pitaudry and think about the night when some bloke who none of us know put the ball in for John Hewitt to score the winner. <laughs> okay, so Gav's gonna do it. You're gonna get there. Great stuff. It's taken a bit of time, it's taken a bit of effort to do this one, but if you would like to donate a little bit, and we know we've already asked you guys to donate a bit already in the last few weeks for a number of different good funds. There was um, the, the Duke Raffle, that was split 50-50 with the AFC Community Trust and the Angus McDonald Fund, then there was the Angus McDonald Raffle. Um, so we've basically been able to donate almost the guts of two grand to the Angus McDonald Foundation in recent weeks, which is great. We do have something else lined up, which we'll hopefully be able to do in the next couple of weeks as well. But if you can, if you would like to just throw a few bob towards... This one, just to help us try and reach the target that we set, which was a little bit ambitious, but let's see if we can do it. Head on over to justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding forward slash ABZ, the football podcast. Like I say, the funds for this one will be split 50-50 between Aber Necessities and the AFC Heritage Trust. And anyway, let's move on. Jeff's Music Corner. We weren't going to do one this week, but then I was thinking about it this afternoon and I thought, you know what? We should do one this week. And you know what? It's not going to be in with the usual parameters that we set because usually these have to be songs that we like <laughs> and we've picked them for random reasons and they had to be one-hit wonders and they had to come from a certain period of time. But let's take a look to see what song happened to be number one when the Dons were winning the European Cutters Cup in Gothenburg on the 11th of May 1983. So what was it? According to your script here, it was True by Spando Ballet. And how does that go, Gavin? Come on. Da, da, da. Da, 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 da. Lovely, lovely stuff. Released on the 15th of April 1983, spent four weeks at number one to take it into the week that we triumphed over Real Madrid. Gents, your thoughts on this one? Is it in banger category? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it is definitely not a banger, no. It's not a banger, is it? It's not. Do you know, it's, it's apparently it's about Claire Grogan. You know that? I do now. There you go. Gregory, um, of Gregory's Girl fame. Oh, oh, I was going to say all Red Dwarf fame. Mm, yeah, or Father Ted fame. All the song makes me think about is um, the episode of Modern Family. Modern Family. When yeah, Ed, yeah. Edward Norton has a cameo as the bass player of Spando Ballet, and this song plays out that episode. Yeah, which is very funny, to be fair. It's very good. Because I remember thinking, like, Modern Family was still very new when they wrote Edward Norton in for a cameo appearance, thinking <laughs> that's a... That's a name. His agent must have got him a hell of a paycheck for this gig. Um, it's uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's a certifiable ballad. Uh, yeah, it absolutely. Is, it is not a banger. Though. You know who was meant to play um, Phil Dunphy originally in Modern Family? Um, I do feel I know this, but I can't think. Matt LeBlanc was meant to play him originally. That's right. Yeah, I don't think it would have been the same. Do you? 
No. Um, what's his what's his name again? Ty Burrell. Ty Burrell yeah. is Phil Dunphy. Yeah, there's a reason why he's basically not done anything else else <laughs> since Phil Dunphy. It's like, it's like Matt LeBlanc is Joey Tribbiani, right? Yeah, yeah. That would have almost felt like you ever watched them um, extras? No, not extras. Um, episodes. Yeah, where it's like the whole thing, like the British screenwriters take their show to America and they cast Matt LeBlanc. Yeah, as Joey. Yeah, that's how it would have gone. I think so. I think you're right. Definitely. You also know that Eric Stone Street, the guy who plays Cam, was in the running to play Kevin in the US office. Yes, I did know that. Yeah. Again, wouldn't yes. have been the same. I don't think it would have been the same. No, definitely not. Anyway, shall we move on? Yes. I think we should. What's your opinion on True by Spando Ballet? My view uh, is very much of its time. A little bit like Mark McGee. Yeah, and obviously before we move on, so the Don, the Jess Music Corner, we also have to make the connection back to Aberdeen, but that is of course obvious this time around, so don't need to do any more than that. Anyway, on to the Hibs preview. So four games to go, boys. We're on the home straight. Two of these games are at home. The first of these comes up on Saturday, and it's a day that I'm sure is going to be tinged with all sorts of emotions as the Dons celebrate 40 years since our European Cup Winners' Cup final win over Real Madrid. We welcome Hibs to Vitaudry for the second time this season. So far, two wins for Hibs, both Easter Road, while the Dons were 4-1 winners at Petaldry in November. A whole fucking lot has changed since the sides last faced off against each other on the 20th of January, where Hibs' 6-0 win over the Dons finally brought to an end the Jim Goodwin era at Petaldry. And well, we all know where we stand now after the resurgence that Barry Robson has brought us. Hibs with only one win in their last 12 visits to Petaldry, that one coming in a 1-0 win in May 2021 as Hibs secured their return to Europe as Stephen Glass's start to management life at Aberdeen continued to, let's just say, splutter to life, shall we, in that, in that little period before the back end of that season. Um, Hibs coming at this one, decent enough form, you know, middling. Two wins and a draw from their last three outings, the latter of which was a 2-1 win over St. Miner on Saturday afternoon. Hibs currently fifth in the table, but after results on Sunday, they are now just one point behind Hearts in fourth. Top scorer for Hibs is Kevin Nisbet. He's notched 10 in 15 appearances since his return from injury after the World Cup break. Yuan, the top creative player on the Hibs side, with seven assists to his name. Hibs' away record this season is the fifth best in the league, but it's quite remarkable when you consider they've only won five out of their 17 games on the road with 10 defeats, that they are the fifth best team on the road. But there we go. And they have a minus 11 goal difference, so they've scored 20 and conceded 31. But hey. That's just the cinch, I think, this season. 51 goals for Hibs across the league so far in their 34 games. That's against an expected goals of 42.5. So they're doing all right in terms of taking their fair share of chances. 30 of those goals coming from open play against an open goal XG of 29.32. So they're pretty much bang on there. 15 goals so from set plays against a set play expected goals of 10.32. So they're definitely overperforming when it comes to set play conversions. Fairly prolific as well in terms of getting shots off and getting them on target, averaging 4.7 shots on target per game, which is the third highest in the league, which is a little bit surprising as well. Defensively, fifth worst record in the league, 53 conceded. That's an average of 1.6 goals for game 33 of those goals against, coming from an open play expected goals against of 26.85. So you've got to be looking possibly at David Marshall there. And 11 coming from set pieces against a set play expected goals of 8.69. So they're also underperforming there. Maybe that is a team that you can get at from set plays. Uh, pretty niggly, as it turns out, the third highest number of fouls per game in the league so far. 
12.5, which places them just in behind St. Mirren and Motherwell in that metric. In terms of style of play, they're relatively direct um, in terms of how they get the ball up the park, an average direct speed of 1.8 metres per second, which shows they're not slow in finding the channels, which is what they're trying to do, averaging 2.79 passes per sequence, which is the fifth highest number on that front. In terms of territory, as you can see from the zones of control, we'll tweet it out later on, looking to kind of try and dominate the wide areas and their own defensive half. Lee Johnson's been favouring a 4-1-4-1 shape in recent weeks with Nisbet up top on his own with support from a midfield four and behind him of Cad and Doyle Hayes, Newell and Yuan. Also, Doyle Hayes went off injured against St Mirren. He was replaced by Josh Campbell, who does appear to enjoy scoring against us this season. So, great timing all round. Is a back four that does still rely on Paul Hanlon and Luce Stevenson an awful lot, though. So maybe that is one that we can get after. Gav is just laughing his ass off at this right now. So we'll, no doubt that'll come back to bite us next week. In terms of defensive action, a PPDA of just 10.5, that makes Hibs the third highest pressing side in the league behind Celtic and Rangers, but they're not converting many turnovers at all. Indeed, only one high turnover they've uh, manufactured this season has led to a goal. So there we go. That's the data. All said and done, gents, your thoughts, and then I guess predictions for next Saturday. Well, I mean, first of all, if my giggling like a schoolgirl leads to a Paul Hanlon defensive masterclass, then <laughs> where have I been all this guy's career? Um, <laughs> I look forward to having a whole lot of chippy Hibs fans with pictures like profile pictures of David Gray and wearing like black hoodies and like pixelated faces in our Twitter mentions, because that always seems to happen whenever we come around to play yeah. Hibs. Or... Oh, Gav, you, you railed them last week. Oh, what did I do? Last week, you you happened to like quote tweet there. What's your favorite Hibs image of the season? And you used the Ramadan. Oh, they scored against the Yeah, yeah, they did. They, they, they Chris were Finn. Chris Finn's a weird guy online, right? He's got a lot of time on his hands. He does. He really does. And he also does the shite bag thing about like screen grabbing your tweet and then talking about it rather than just quote tweeting you in it. So at least you could respond to it. Oh, I mean, we've done that plenty of times. Nah. Yeah. yeah. Too. I'm sure there's been plenty of individuals. Nah, we would never shite bag it like that. Anyway, let's let's move on from what you get up to. Um <laughs> I think with Hibs, I mean, their form has been the little resurgence they had after the loser leaves town match in January between Lee Johnson and Jim Goodwin yeah. was kind of astounding. And in a way, I almost think it's a good thing because I think it's probably lead to Johnson staying there till next season and if Lee Johnson's in charge of Hibs I'm good with that but then they have sort of their form like kind of went off the cliff a little bit now it's you know three like it's two wins and a draw in the last three league matches a good result against um, St. Mirren at the weekend six points behind us I mean if we win I think it takes Hibs completely out of the equation um, so it's important from that aspect and then if I'm not mistaken Hearts are playing Hearts are at St. Mirren Sitminen away, Sitminen, you know, did the number on them at Tyne Castle before the split. I think that'll be a very difficult game. So it's uh, it's vitally important. It seems to be the case between Aberdeen and Hibs that the home advantage is is pretty key. I mean, also they've beaten us a good few times now at Easter Road. We generally speaking, I mean, we were very good against them in what just November, November yep. before the World Cup. Um, thought it was a very good points back when we were all in love with VAR. Seems like a long time ago now. Um, they're they're a they're a strange kind of team. That you know, there's probably some some they're good players there. Streaky. They're a very streaky team. And we're just going back through their fixtures just now. Like they went on a run of 
they won four in a row in September and October and then lost three in a row, won one and then lost four going into the World Cup break, came back from the World Cup break, were a bit sketchy. And as you say, they had beat us 6-0, which came off the back of being scudded 3-0 by Hearts in the Scottish Cup where they were really bad because Hearts didn't even play that well that day. They beat us 6-0, then they went uh, one, two, three, four wins on the trot. And then they went four defeats in a row and now they're three undefeated. So they're very, very streaky outfit. And I mean, there, there's some, there's some, there are some good players in their team. Like Kevin Isma is like at this level, especially a, a good striker. Um, the boy Yuan has come on in the in the second half of the season, especially. But then there's the likes of Lewis Stevenson and Paul Hanlon, who are <laughs> stinking players who have been around there forever. Um, I'm, I think, with the former in, you know, just discounting um, Ibrox, we've got every chance. What well, with players like Duke and Miofsky and Leighton Clarkson, we've got every chance of hurting them. And I think if we can get the first goal and then just, you know, assert ourselves as a team, as the way we've done when we've uh, gotten the advantage at home, I think this could be a pretty comfortable three points, in all honesty. Um, so I'm feeling, feeling very confident about this one. Yeah, I think setting aside tonight's result does enough about us under the new regime to... Uh, yeah, to suggest that we'll be able to take the game to them and more. I think with Full House, everything that's at stake, I'm pretty confident we will uh, we will get the job done. I agree with you, Gav. You know, if we can score first and or early, then I I think it might be quite interesting after that because everything's going to be going our way. The momentum and everything else becomes harder for for him. So I, I I'll settle for a one 0 garbage game just to get through it but hopefully we can just go and show them what we're all about and we're much improved and uh, like you say make make it comfortable all the incentives are there with hearts being away at St Mirren if we can Definitely. take care of our business I think we could easily be looking at an 8 point gap by the end of play and that's that's third place done it feels to me as though this is, this is match day 35 and it feels that like this is the pivotal one almost in a way of, of the post split fixtures as well because it's the only game where none of the third through sixth teams are playing either half of the Glasgow teams um, in any of the fixtures at all that, that remain. So it does feel like that's the kind of pivotal week, I think, in a way. And I think you're right, Gav. I think if we can win, and even if Hearts and St Mirren is a draw and you you now go to, what would that be? Um, 3.56 to 49, be seven points clear with three games remaining. It, it you, you take a pretty epic collapse at that point to to not finish third I think if we can do our bit and put the pressure hopefully on Hearts because as we say Hearts have not travelled well this season St Mirren have got a phenomenal home record that we all know about St Mirren really need to win this game if they've got any hope at all I think of finishing certainly fourth um, possibly even fifth I guess depending on how the results go so I think St Mirren will be up for it massive game huge game all that really matters come Saturday is, is, is a win isn't it let's be honest definitely yeah yeah no that that is it Ignoring what Hearts may or may not pick up if you get the win, and even if they win, well, it's another game chalked off and the gap's the same. And even just from a kind of, you know, Aberdeen morale perspective, given the occasion, what's going to be going on around the week, you know, like last year we had the amazing Alex Ferguson statue unveiling, and it was great, but then, you know, in the end the game was pretty, we should have beaten United, but we didn't, and we gave away a stupid penalty, and it sort of, it was very anticlimactic. This is going to be 
full house. Um, we've been doing well with these occasions lately, but you know, typically in our time, especially when it comes to these kind of occasions, we we managed to botch it in somehow. So yeah. from just from big a bigger perspective than just the league game, I think this is a a big game for us to win. Yeah, it's huge. I, th- I do think that there are characters now in our team though that will thrive in the atmosphere rather than wilting it. He says now, hopefully. Um, <laughs> I, the thing as well, I think is is almost really important about this is that if you look at Hearts' fixtures in particular, so they travel to St Mirren on on Saturday. After that, it is the straight shootout Hearts versus Aberdeen at Tynecastle. The reason why I think it is important for us to certainly win. Based on Rangers' performance this afternoon, I'm not convinced. So Hearts go to Ibrox on the second last game of the season on the Wednesday night that we play St Mirren at, at Pataudry. I would fancy Hearts the way that the, the Rangers play today to pick up something at Ibrox. I'm not going to say a win, but you can see Rangers are done. I mean, Mick Beale tonight has already gone and thrown Morelos under the bus now. Um, I can expect there'll be big changes in that. Must be a very high bus. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Must be a very I, strong man. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that being a Rangers team that have got nothing to play for and he might even play a bunch of kids in that game so I would be I'd be wary about relying on favours is all I'm going to say from, do you from honestly think we Stevie Nesp is going to sacrifice his Rangers board and privileges well mm, mm. anywho I think it's a massive game isn't it it's huge Saturday it really really is the, the sooner we can wrap up third place the better. That's that's a that's a given. So I think that if yeah, like I say, given like you say, Simran's home form, hearts away form, the result at Tynecastle and how comprehensive Simran were in beating them there. And there's every chance that Simran are gonna take three points on Saturday. And then we just need to take care of our business. And if that's if that's one nil one goal off of Duke's glorious arse, then so be it. Well, come on then. Venture us some predictions then, lads, so we can wrap this bad boy up. Uh, in the spirit of the occasion, 2-1 Aberdeen. Diving <laughs> header from Bojan Milovsky. In extra time. In extra time. <laughs> yeah, in the in the 11 minutes of added on time because of more VAR nonsense. Lovely. Graham? I'm going to say 3-0 Aberdeen. Oof, love it. Graham's going straight in. Balls out. Yes, I'm not being my usual pessimistic self, so this no. will probably I'll probably be annoyed when it's like nil nil or something. Yeah, just stuck to my gut instinct. <laughs> yeah, Duke will score the first goal. Um, set piece. Matty Pollock comes steaming in in a McLeish-esque fashion. Goal one nil up reveals a T-shirt that says "Fuck you, Ryan Porteous." I would love to see us like rework the goal. I would love to see us rework the first goal somehow. Uh, and and in training this week would be brilliant to see. Uh, I'm going to go with the same. I think Aberdeen three Hibs one. I think we'll we'll manage to somehow contrive to concede a goal, but three one comfortable. And I think that Hearts will not take three points at Paisley, so it'll be practically done and dusted with just the, um, a little bit of nervousness to go as we travel to Gorgie the following week. Because obviously that's how it has to be done. You can't be Aberdeen and not do it that way. Yep, and we can coast the rest of the season, and we can coast the rest of this podcast. Indeed. So there we go. That'll do. That'll wrap up this week's episode of the ABZ FP. Thanks for joining us. As always, please remember to like, subscribe, and follow whatever you do on your podcast. Player of choice, join us next week, where we will review our game against Hibs in the Cinch, and we'll preview our trip to Gorgie to play the Jam Tarts in what could be the pivotal fixture in the post-split. I was going to say the post-split era. That makes no sense. What could be the pivotal fixture in the split as the battle for third 
what's up. We'll see you next thing. Stand free. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Moretti, or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round, and the bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop taking supporters to Stadium for free on match days. Come on, you Reds!